When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. That means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Discover a career that matters at the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Be part of an innovative team delivering world-class health care and benefits to America's veterans. Enjoy robust benefits, work-life balance, and career development opportunities. Join a diverse and inclusive community that values your unique background and skills, a community where nearly one in three of your colleagues are veterans themselves. Apply now at vacareers.va.gov. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh, and Chuck's here, and Jerry's here, and this is Stuff You Should Know. And it's a podcast, and um, the three of us are part of it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, this is uh, an article on the science of kindness, which somehow put me in a bad mood. I don't know what that says about me. (laughs) I don't know why. I I don't know why either. It's very odd, but I kind of know what you're talking about. If we're... Like, the topic overall that we're going to talk about, I think, is going to bring joy to people. I but they'll so. get angry along the way. <laughs> but hopefully, when by the time we're done, those who are still listening will be like, all right, I'm, I'm feeling good again. All right. Let's talk about it. And let's start with animals because, uh, in fact, we can direct people to uh, – we did a great episode, I think, on animal altruism. Is that what it was called? Yeah, biological altruism. Something like that, where we talked yeah. about – uh, this sort of leading fact as we lead into humans and kindness, uh, the fact that, you know, animals all throughout the animal world display acts of kindness. And many times they are uh, altruistic in that they're not they're not looking for anything other than to help out their bird mate or monkey mate or ant mate. Yeah, you you short on last minute gift ideas. Go look in on what the macaques are giving each other. <sighs> kindness. So it's in animals. We know mm-hmm. that. We have evidence of it. Yeah. Uh, it's also in humans. We have pretty good evidence of that, too, that kindness is a thing. But it definitely seems the fact that it's in animals as well uh, suggests that it's in us on some genetic level. It's not just society being like, be kind, rewind, you know, like, right. like there's an actual imperative, <laughs> a biological imperative for it. And what's odd about it is that most people would think that flies in the face of um, survival of the fittest, uh, basically Darwin's whole jam that, that, you know, looking out for number one is kind of, it might not be the antithesis of kindness, but it certainly doesn't go hand in hand. And yet when you dig into Darwin, you're like, oh, he was actually big time into kindness. Yeah. He talked, he wrote a lot of stuff about um, communities cooperating uh, and not just like, hey, it's better if you cooperate and to go kill that woolly mammoth. But, but like compassion and empathy are are uh, are markers of a healthy community and a community that will survive in a fitter way. Yeah, like if Tuk Tuk pushed Jib Jub out of the way right as he was about to throw a spear into the woolly mammoth. Jib Jab. Tuk Tuk took the uh, shot and took the mammoth down and got all the praise. He's got hurt feelings between him and Jib Jub, right? He's got to go to Jib Jub. Are we introducing a new character? Yes, it's happening before your very eyes. <laughs> wow, it's exciting, and you're 16. 
Yeah, so like in those communities and communities now, like the the thing that just kind of keeps things not just going, like you can go as a society in a dystopian manner, but it's not a good society. It's not thriving. I think the thing that makes it thrive and then a thriving society is much more likely to survive and reproduce because everybody wants it to because they're having a great time are things like kindness. It's one of those lubricators that helps a society go from surviving to thriving. I agree. And uh, it's also something that, uh, you know, you see, well, hopefully you see firsthand when you have a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, If you don't, that doesn't mean that, you know, your child is broken uh, because there are all kinds of reasons that a kid may not just sort of be innately kind. They might not like you. (laughs) Yeah, maybe you're the problem. Uh, Dad. Um, but the study after study has shown that that uh, many children are sort of innately kind to other people and that, uh, of course, this is just me editorializing the second part. Sure. And it is later as you grow up and be a cynical adult is when those kindnesses go away. <laughs> but you see examples all the time when you have a kid of your kid and other children and their friends and classmates being kind to one another, and, and it's it it is truly heartwarming to see, and makes you think like, oh, like maybe because this is what we're kind of talking about. Like, are we innately good people, like as humans? Right. And those examples kind of indicate that yeah, we maybe are good humans to begin with. Like, uh, and we're going to talk about a lot of studies and experiments in this episode, but this one was one where they had uh, a kid, and they had some treats like. Little candies or something. They had goldfish or Teddy Grahams. I was just, I was trying to not name check, but sure. Those are money treats, man. They deserve, like, we need to to lay it out there just how valuable these treats were. Uh, And then they had these little puppet, uh, puppets. I was going to say puppet things, but puppets are puppets. Mm -hmm. So what they would do was, and what they're trying to get at is, like, how happy did, uh, because, you know, that's sort of at the root of all all this is, like, and we'll talk later about when you receive a kindness. Of course, that makes sense that you're going to feel great. But does it feel good and make you happy to do a kindness? Mm-hmm. And so they had this little puppets and they said, uh, all right, um, we're going to give these puppets a goldfish uh, sometimes. And we're going to see how happy that makes you, little kid. Uh, we're going to give you a goldfish to give to that puppet. We're going to see how happy that makes you. And then we're going to also just give you a bunch of goldfish and say, those are yours but uh, maybe you should give the puppet one of your own. Mm-hmm. And the ones where, the like, the happiest kids were the ones uh, where they, or instances at least, were the ones where the kids gave uh, of their own stash, of their own head stash right. to these puppets. Like, they were happy seeing the, the puppet get a treat. Sure. But they were happier to give that puppet a treat of its own, right? Yeah, and they weren't necessarily doing that so they would look good for the study, it seems. Exactly. These were toddlers. I think they were two or less, two or younger. Um, There's another study that kind of found something similar that paid attention to um, little kids um, and how they responded to a grown-up needing help. And they, they, they showed that kids definitely do enter, distress might be kind of a, a harsh word for mm-hmm. it, but there's a, a concerned state that's much better. Mm-hmm. They are concerned, and apparently you can track that by your pupils dilating. And this is the Max Planck Institute, so they're pretty legit. But they were tracking kids' pupils dilating, so an adult would drop something and have trouble picking it up, and the kids' pupils would dilate. So they were concerned. 
the kids became um, happiest or became less concerned or unconcerned uh, when they were able to help. And but then second to that, they were also unconcerned. They stopped feeling concerned after they saw somebody else help the grown up. So it's not like you were saying, it's not just about getting credit. It's not just about thinking you're making adults happy. Like these kids were genuinely relieved to see somebody getting help, even when they couldn't help them. And that helps underscore the idea that, yeah, we're we're biologically kind in our genes. Did the uh, people who organized the study uh, account, uh, did they make sure they just accounted for the dilation of pupils by making sure testing these kids for methamphetamine use? Oh, yeah. That's okay. that's step one, a P-test. Yeah. All right. That checks out then. Yeah, and the ones who they find um, outside of the lab hours before sunrise digging a hole inexplicably, they pretty much just <laughs> get them out of the population right away. Uh, so people have been trying to, um, I guess, group and measure and come up with scales uh, on how to measure uh, kindness and happiness and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, for a long, long time. And um, one way to measure it that they've come up with is something called the Interpersonal Reactivity Index, which is sort of sort of an empathy measurement, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. Uh, there's another one called the Inventory of Strengths uh, that looks at behavior, like treats kindness as a behavior. But these researchers at Huddlesfield, University of Huddlesfield in the UK, mm-hmm. uh, in 2017 – they're like, all right, let's create a scale that's going to measure like different aspects of being kind and see if we can group them. And they did. Uh, they had a 40-item questionnaire and ended up clustering into three groups, uh, the first one being benign tolerance, which it's, it's like an everyday kindness, like, uh, hey, you got groceries. Uh, why don't you take my seat on the subway? That kind of thing. Yeah. It's a kindness. Yeah. It's an everyday sort of kindness. Uh, empathetic responsivity. Responsivity, yeah, yeah, is the next one, and that is uh, a more emotional and much more personal and much more specific to a person. Right, like you, this is somebody you have what they consider strong ties to, like a, a close friend or a family member or something like that. So yeah. you're doing something kind to them, maybe when they need help. So sure. you're responding to them empathetically, which is great. It's really, really well um, said. Yeah, and then the last one is principle proaction. And this is altruism, but a little less emotional, like, you know, go look at my record books. I give a lot of money to charity. Sure. <laughs> so um, what they found, though, so all of the 40, 40 questions on the inventory, those they all basically clustered into those three umbrellas. But they found three different things that were common to all three of the little islands of kindness. And those were— Great um, band name. They were—yeah, Islands of Kindness is a great band name. You're yeah. right. Synth pop. Sure. Um, so they were, I feel sorry for other people when they experience problems. I like to make other people feel happy. Mm-hmm. And people think I have a soft heart. Gross. And what they came to uh, to kind of identify those three things together that showed up under principle proact- proaction, empathetic responsivity, and benign tolerance, they can, they said that that's your core kindness. Mm-hmm. That that's, that's, the, that's the basic thing. That makes people genuinely kind. Those are the things that if you put those three things together, you have a kind person. You can have other people doing kind things, but they're not necessarily kind. And they even had a measurement of unkindness. Nine of the questions were basically like, are you a jerk? Answer yes or no. (laughs) 
They're like, come on, answer. That was question two. Be honest was question three and so on and so forth. And they found that people who were who rated as unkind saying one thing, I think um, uh, maybe benign tolerance, they still rated highly in empathetic responsivity or principal proaction. So it's not like even if you're unkind on paper that you don't do kind things. What they were saying is genuinely kind people check those three boxes. Yeah, I think on the questionnaire it should say, are you a jerk? And the only option is no. And then the next question is, do other people think you're a jerk? And the only option is yes. <laughs> right. Nice. And between those two is the truth. Uh, they also found that women scored higher uh, than men, generally speaking, uh, and very specifically on benign tolerance and principled proaction. Yeah. Uh, and there, this was very interesting. There was no overall difference based on the age of the participant. But if you were over 40, then you would score higher on principled proaction, uh, which kind of makes sense if that's like giving to charity because, uh, I mean, I don't think I had enough money to even give to charity mm-hmm. when I was younger. I think, too, that's that's also a measure of um, like replacing, like adding distance to your kindness, you know? Yeah, sure. It's not just like donating. You don't show up at like the, the, the house that the charity's like, you know, supporting, you're just giving to that charity. Yeah, and also, you know, I, I I said that I didn't have enough money to give to charity. That's not true. You, um, I'm not going to say always. There are people that are genuinely um, living like week to week and day to day with their finances. So I'm not talking about that. But in my 20s, I could have, you know, not done the one thing to give $10 to another thing. You know what I'm saying? It's shameful. I know it was. Uh, but you can't give time if you don't have money. It's just another way to be charitable. So one uh, thing about that, though, real quick before you move on, I remember plenty of studies have turned up that um, people of middle to lower socioeconomic status yeah. tend to give more to charity than people higher up in the socioeconomic status. Yeah. Is that more total monies or more uh, like based on their relative income? I think, yeah, I think relatively speaking, yeah, because yeah. I mean, you know, like a, a billionaire could give a, a million dollars and be like, eat my dust, right. lower socioeconomic <laughs> people. Uh huh. But that, you know, relative to their wealth, it's not really that big of a deal, whereas somebody lower on the scale um, or with less money, they gave $1,000, that might mean a lot more than a million dollars would to a billionaire. Yeah, and boy, what a lesson to, uh, let's say you're a single parent with a few kids and you're really struggling. What a lesson to your kids to be like, you know what? Uh, I, I found a $20 bill today, and we're, we're going to put $2 in this guy's can that sure. seems like he needs it more than we do even. But we're going to get it in change, so it sounds like a lot because <laughs> he's, he's not paying attention, but he'll hear it. Go get 200 pennies, son. Should we take a break? Oh, yeah. All right. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, 
Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Dell Tech Fest starts now. To thank you for 40 unforgettable years, Dell Technologies is celebrating with anniversary savings on their most popular tech. For a limited time only, save on select next-gen PCs like the XPS 13 Plus, where you can make the everyday easier with Windows 11. That's right. You can unleash more possibilities with cutting-edge systems, the most advanced features, and great prices. Plus, curate your dream setup with deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. And when you shop online at dell.com deals, you'll have access to state-of-the-art technology to match your forward-thinking spirit and free shipping on everything. That's right. Anniversary savings await you for a limited time only at dell.com deals. That's D-E-L-L dot com slash deals. Hey, everybody, if you're building a deck at work and you want to supercharge it, check out Canva presentations. Work docs have been the same for too long, but Canva docs are different. They're visual. They grab readers' attention with images, charts, tables, and videos playable right in the doc. Plus, docs don't have to be just words on a page. You can make your docs pop with Canva docs. That's right. And Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, HR, ops, marketing, and more, Canva presentations can be the solution for you. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Canva presentations might be the most visually impressive presentations you'll ever use. Start with a stunning template, use it as a springboard for your design, adding images, graphics, charts, data visualizations, all from a massive media library. It's super easy to wow any audience with Canva presentations. So start designing today at canva.com, designed for work. That's C-A-N-V-A dot com. All right, we've talked about uh, the runner's high before, that uh, euphoric sense that uh, a runner can feel at a, at a certain mile mm-hmm. on the road or in the woods or wherever you're running. Can you get a runner's high on a treadmill? Oh, yeah. Anytime, oh? anytime you're exerting your body running for a while. Okay. I didn't know if it had something to do with the environment and fresh no. air and stuff like that. It might trigger it a little faster. Who knows? But, yes, you can. All right. On a treadmill. Uh, all that to say there's a helper's high that they found. This is in the uh, 1980s that they first were clued into this. And that is just what you might think is after doing a kindness uh, to someone, uh, you might feel a sense of exhilaration. You might feel a very nice period of calm afterward. Mm-hmm. They have found, depending on the kindness, I guess, in the person, that can that can really get you going for a few weeks sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and this is really interesting, I thought psychologically uh, are these next couple of things is that you can get that same high just by thinking back on that kindness you did like a month ago. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. Heck yeah, that's interesting. But if you stop and think about it, it's it's 
anecdotally speaking, of course, that that works like that. But when you see it on paper, it's kind of astounding, you know, that you can think about something like you said you did a month ago and feel good about it all over again. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And we do know that there are literal physical symptoms of kindnesses and the effect like better immune function, uh, your stress hormones are going to go down and stuff like that. But uh, it makes me wonder if you like if you can call up that kindness you did a month ago. When you're starting to feel like you're getting a cold, would that literally help you avoid a cold? Oh, yeah. Absolutely, without a question. Okay. <laughs> it's a good reason to be kind. Yeah. Um, and to have a good memory. Yeah, there's there's another. So another way you could put kindness, it's probably not in, exactly interchangeable, but it's close enough, is pro-social behavior. Yeah. Because I don't think we said something um, that's really important. Kindness is, um, it's, it's. It's action. It's always an action. Uh Like, it's not just thinking something. Thinking something is not kindness. You can have kind thoughts. Sure. But kindness is always an action. And in fact, um, kindness.org, which is a nonprofit that's basically like that supports kindness research, they say that kindness is a meta value, which is just right out of the gate, knocks your socks off, Mm -hmm. and that it encompasses acts of altruism, empathy, justice, respect, and more. (laughs) <laughs> and that it is always an action, often done with the intention to benefit, and sometimes but not always driven by emotion. Which, I mean, if you're going to define kindness, there it is right there. And another, another way to explain that is saying pro-social behavior. You're acting in a way that is kind, right? Mm-hmm. So people have studied pro-social behavior more than they've studied kindness. So you can kind of take some of those pro-social behavior studies, and apply them to kindness research, too. And that's exactly what um, a 2020 meta-analysis did from Hong Kong Polytechnic U. That's right. Great school. It's got to be, right? Uh, Yeah, I was reading about it. I think it's actually one of the best schools in the world. Yeah. See there? And they they do not have a mascot. As far as I could tell, it's either an owl or Winnie the Pooh. I couldn't make heads or tails of some of the photos. Let's go with Winnie the Pooh. Go Poohs. All right. So uh, they did a meta-analysis, like you are saying, in 2020 and found that pro-social behavior that you uh, so aptly defined was very closely linked with something called, uh, I'm going to call it uh, eudaimonic well-being. I think so. Or either that or eudaimonic. Maybe that's a silent eye. Who knows? But that is a happiness that is, uh, it's sort of happiness plus. It's associated with more meaning or more purpose than an ordinary happiness like Oh boy, this ice cream tastes good. Yeah, and I've I've seen so you have well being. Um, I've seen you you demonic uh, well being or happiness as well doing, like oh. you're doing stuff that makes you happy rather than just feeling happy. And that in and of itself is a component of well being. And that's pretty cool. So there's also um, the, that same I think meta analysis turned up that if you help somebody informally, um, you typically receive more personal benefits, like more happiness or um, a sense of reward than you do if you're formally, you know, being kind, like organizing a, a charity or or even writing a check to charity. That makes sense. Yeah. Because it's like a surprise for you as well if, mm-hmm. if an opportunity to perform a kindness. And by the way, I don't only say a kindness because of uh, the gentleman from Winnebago Man. The great, great documentary. Yeah, I remember that, but I don't remember him saying a kindness. Yeah, he said all the time, do me a kindness and, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. get me a coffee. Yeah. But it's it kind of fits, though, because a kindness is, is an act. So it's like right. 
it, it turns it into an action almost by making it a noun or a yeah yeah an adverb is that an adverb i don't know no it's not an adverb i'm about as good at uh, english as i am at math no that's not true oh thanks you're much gooder at english <laughs> so uh oh i don't even know where i was going with this because all i can think about is winnebago man uh you were talking about oh, oh, oh um, the surprise of a kindness that presents itself right that you can like all of a sudden you're at the grocery store and there's an opportunity for you to perform a kindness that I, I get that that might mean more to you than uh, on a on a happiness level than like organizing a charity because organizing a volunteer day or something is a lot of work and it's a it can be a pain and there can be frustrations and even though the end result is you've done something well mm-hmm. at the end of that day you probably sit in your chair and you're like oh man that was a lot but when you just do a small kindness it's a surprise for you mm-hmm. and so of course you're going to be like. That was the best thing ever. I was just the best dude, and it only took me 30 seconds. Yeah, and what's neat is there's other research that we'll talk about down the line that basically finds that surprise is an element of um, Mm -hmm. the happiness that can come out of acts of kindness. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there's definitely something to that, Chuck. Yeah, and the best way to scare people. (laughs) So there's another study. I've got another study up my sleeve. You want to hear about it? Let's hear it. Um, they were trying to say, okay, like, great job coming up with a kindness scale, but what are we really measuring here? Are we measuring actual acts of kindness making people happy, or is there some other thing that we we don't realize we're measuring? So they actually very cleverly kind of broke it out into a few components, and they had people either do something kind for others, Mm -hmm. an act of kindness, something kind for themselves, still Mm -hmm. an act of kindness, but not for anybody else. Totally. Um, extroverted behavior that's not kindness, so maybe striking up a neutral conversation about the weather with a stranger. It is hot. Right. <laughs> um, or doing something that's open-minded, but it's not social and it's not kind. And the example that Olivia gave was engaging with art, like going okay. to see, you know, going to a museum, right? Okay. All of those things can make you happy. And the the University of California psychologists wanted to see if we were accidentally measuring that. And what they found is that the people who did acts of kindness for other people were far and away happier than the other three groups. Yeah, pretty interesting. And in that little uh, bit, you mentioned uh, one of the the things they covered for was doing a kindness for yourself. Mm -hmm. There was a 2019 paper uh, from Oxford University where they found that acts of kindness uh, to other people and acts of kindness to yourself had about the same positive effect on your happiness. And I didn't read that as like, oh, well, that just shoots holes in the previous <laughs> theory. I saw it as like, well, yeah, you're, you, your, your brain is still receiving those triggers that like you're doing a kindness and you're a person too. And you, you need uh, kindnesses to be done for you. And if you're the one doing it, then great. Exactly. You know, you should be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. (laughs) That's right. And rewind. So um, I saw something explained, like the feeling that you get from the helper's high, explained um, by pointing out that acts of kindness are actually an exertion for us, just like Mm -hmm. exercise is an exertion. Anything beyond what we need to do to survive that day is technically an exertion. And our bodies created this reward system to overcome the sense of exertion or pain or sore muscles or loss of giving up your goldfish treat to a puppet. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and flooding us with with um, chemicals that make us feel better. So that totally explains the biochemical basis for that helper's high, for the sense of being rewarded by doing an act of kindness um, or just a kindness, um, and that it's kind of apparently uh, centrally located in the vagus nerve, which if you'll remember from our orgasm episode is really responsible for that. It's a huge part of the parasympathetic autonomic nervous system, which is the opposite of flight. It's like chill and chill <laughs> instead of fight or flight. Yeah, like getting your uh, breathing under control and your tummy feeling good and your mm -hmm. heart rate a little lower, stuff like that. Uh, we talked about it quite a few times, I feel like, over the years. Um, it's only in mammals. It's very unique to mammals. And because it is a part of that uh, autonomic nervous system, mm -hmm. uh, it, it's connected to, like, basically all the, all the organs. Right. Like, it's affecting everything inside your body. Uh, which is great. And it's, you know, it's what's going to give you that warm feeling when it's active. Uh, when you've done uh, a kindness to someone, that's where that warm feeling is coming from, basically. Yeah. And specifically, it's oxytocin. They've linked that to kindness and that helper's high. And that is, um, it's frequently called the love hormone. It's, it uh, is around from every event, like um, a, a mother ho holding a newborn baby skin to skin for the first time. That's mm -hmm. a huge oxytocin release. Yeah. To doing an act of kindness for somebody. It's that warm feeling in your chest, that that um, that feeling that where, like, you, you just suddenly are like, I, I could, if I really thought about it, I could cry right now. Like, just yeah. you just feel so good and just overwhelmed with positive feelings. That's oxytocin. And acts of kindness have been shown to release oxytocin. That seems to be part of the basis of that helper's high. So however you can get oxytocin, get it. That's my motto. Yeah, totally. Um, uh, interesting thing, too, uh, jumping back a sec to that uh, 2019 Oxford paper that talked about uh, doing a kindness on oneself. I mm -hmm. found this particularly in interesting. Okay. Um, just witnessing an act of kindness can also have a similar effect on you, which is amazing. Uh, and that makes me wonder if our old friend's uh, mirror neurons are not involved somehow. Well, yeah, I would think so because um, empathy has to be involved. Like you have to feel something towards somebody who you're helping or else you just wouldn't even think to help them. You'd probably just be like, ha-ha, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, if empathy is involved, then mirror neurons have to be involved. It's just the way it goes, friend. But we've we've, I mean, who hasn't watched the uh, one of those uh, internet videos mm -hmm. on Instagram or wherever mm -hmm. where you see a, a real kindness, and you know they've got the, that piano music playing, and all of a sudden you're tearing up, like your body is firing all those same neurons, apparently according to Oxford, as if you had done that kindness yourself. Right. Like Those feel-good neurons. You got that rascal for that veteran. Like, you did right. that. <laughs> for all intents and purposes, none of us have to do anything. As long as there's some people out there doing kindnesses and posting those videos on the Internet, the rest of us can just get the benefits from it without having to lift a finger. Yeah. And you go into your therapist, and they're, they're like, I know you have a problem with uh, empathy and kindnesses. Did you do any this week? And you're like, yeah, I watched like three videos. <laughs> exactly. And it made me feel great. Yeah. So, um. Should we take a, another break and then come back and talk about how it helps people who uh, kindness is uh, given to? Sure. Okay, we're going to do that.
the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything, for every passenger, feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Dell TechFest starts now. To thank you for 40 unforgettable years, Dell Technologies is celebrating with anniversary savings on their most popular tech for a limited time only. Save on select next-gen PCs like the XPS 13 Plus, where you can make the everyday easier with Windows 11. That's right. You can unleash more possibilities with cutting-edge systems, the most advanced features, and great prices. Plus, curate your dream setup with deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. And when you shop online at dell.com deals, you'll have access to state-of-the-art technology to match your forward-thinking spirit and free shipping on everything. That's right. Anniversary savings await you for a limited time only at dell.com deals. That's D-E-L-L dot com slash deals. Hey, everybody, if you're building a deck at work and you want to supercharge it, check out Canva presentations. Work docs have been the same for too long, but Canva docs are different. They're visual. They grab readers' attention with images, charts, tables, and videos playable right in the doc. Plus, docs don't have to be just words on a page. You can make your docs pop with Canva docs. That's right. And Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, HR, ops, marketing, and more, Canva presentations can be the solution for you. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Canva presentations might be the most visually impressive presentations you'll ever use. Start with a stunning template, use it as a springboard for your design, adding images, graphics, charts, data visualizations, all from a massive media library. It's super easy to wow any audience with Canva presentations. So start designing today at canva.com, designed for work. That's C-A-N-V-A dot com. So I think it's beyond ridiculous to say that um, <laughs> yeah. a person who is the beneficiary of an act of kindness uh, it gets something out of it, too. They literally get something out of it in a lot of times. Like if it's a, a veteran and the rascal that a bunch of people donated to buy him, mm-hmm. um, it can be a goldfish treat. Like they, they benefit in that sense, but they also benefit emotionally as well. And what they found in a bunch of different studies is kind of what we were talking about before, that other elements like surprise, just the gesture, the thought, like they say, it's the thought that counts. Well, some kindness studies have basically turned that up, that if if you don't just think about it, but you actually follow through, the people are more moved by the thought, by the gesture than they are by the 
goldfish treat or the rascal. Although, I mean, if you give somebody a rascal, they're probably going to be pretty happy. What's a rascal? Oh, it's a little mobilized get-around cart that you see people riding. Usually oh, okay. at an advanced stage. Or immobility. I got you. All right. I didn't know those were called rascals. That is the original um, trade name like a, for one yeah, of the yeah. brands, and it's just gotcha. it's become kind of a proprietary eponym. Okay. At least in my house. Yeah. <laughs> so um, one of the uh, experiments they did to test this was uh, in 1995, they looked at unhoused folks who went to the ER a lot for treatment, mm-hmm. and they had a controlled group who just got their regular old ER visit. And then they had another group that had that visit plus student volunteers who would chat them up, talk about stuff and life and listen to them and held conversations and maybe gave them a goldfish or something. Mm -hmm. And they found that the members of the test group were twice as likely to rate their care uh, higher. Sure. Which, you know, makes perfect sense. And that uh, and this was interesting. The number of ER visits among that group dropped by a third. Yeah. Which I guess indicates that they're healthier, I guess. Uh, the researchers took it to mean that the, the the unhoused people who show up to the ER over and over and over again are basically showing up until they feel like they're being treated like a human being. Oh, and that that group were satisfied that they had received good care for once and they stopped coming back to try to, you know, get it out of the, the, the people in the ER. Oh, and that is really interesting because another way to think of that is like, why didn't the people who got that warm care want to come back and say, like, boy, that was, you know, that was pretty great. Get I, that goldfish, have a nice conversation with a student. I, I totally thought the same thing, too. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's interesting. So um, there was another study that involved cupcakes, and who doesn't want to talk about that? <laughs> it's a good one. It is. It's a great one. So um, the uh, the researchers gave strangers or study participants a cupcake and said, here you go. Here's a cupcake. You can do whatever you want with it, but you can also give it to a stranger if you like. And apparently 80% of the participants gave their cupcake away. And I want to know those 20%, (laughs) I hope they didn't tell them what they were actually studying because I think you'd really have some real soul searching to to do after you find out that you're part of the 20% who kept the cupcake for yourself in a kindness study. Yeah, they tell them that, at, like, your mouth is full of cupcake, and they reveal that to you, <laughs> and you're like, it's a what? <laughs> yeah, and then you just got to spit it back into the little wrapper and put it back and then go give it to a stranger. Yeah, and that's when they reveal the milk that you don't get. So the 80% of people who gave their cupcake away, um, they ask them, uh, how, how do you think, how, like, how much of an impact do you think this gesture is going to have? right. And this is a really important thing that they turned up, that the people who received the cupcake rated their happiness as higher than the person who gave them the cupcake expected it to be, like a lot yeah. higher. And um, that's a kind of a, a human flaw. Like we're, we're, um, we have genetic programming to be kind. We also have genetic programming to second-guess ourselves and be self-conscious and that prevents us from doing kind acts of kindness in a lot of ways. And even when we do acts of kindness, we underestimate their effect. But the other part of that cupcake um, study that I found interesting is that the people who got the cupcake basically said it was the surprise that, um, that made it such a great, yeah. happy experience for them. Yeah, like the people who got the cu- cupcake, the 20% who ate it, mm-hmm. 
they rated their happiness and I'm sure they're fairly happy, but not nearly as happy at the people that were surprised by a stranger. Right. Giving them the cupcake. Yeah. So I feel like we fairly well established that being kind is um, a good thing and that Listen it actually mail? exists. Yeah. <laughs> almost. Almost. What about your family, though? Because think about this. Yeah. Giving a cupcake to a stranger who you're never going to see again, there's nothing but pretty much an upside to that. It's all upside. Totally. But if you if you gave your cupcake away to a family member, mm-hmm. you're going to see that family member like later that day after right. they've had a rough day at the office. And they're yeah. probably not feeling much gratitude towards you for the cupcake you gave them earlier in the day, even though you're still feeling good about yourself for having give the, given them your cupcake. And therein lies the big rub with um, acts of kindness in what are known as um, strong tie relationships, like your family. Yeah, and it seems in the case of family, um, and I would imagine this might go for like very close friend groups as well. But sure. I'm just speculating. But in this study in 2017, uh, they had a they they showed a very strong correlation in uh, the happiness level, uh, not being dictated by, but being influenced by whether or not these acts of kindness were noticed and acknowledged. Sure. So they got people that, uh, newlyweds, people that just gotten married, and they said, spend a couple of weeks recording instances, uh, instance, instance, oh man, <laughs> times in which one spouse would uh, help out their partner, put aside their own, like if you're in the middle of doing something, you would stop with a small act of kindness that your partner needs in that moment. Mm -hmm. And then also, while you're doing this, record your emotional state. And they found that acts of kindness that had the most impacts on both the giver and the receiver was when they were noticed and acknowledged. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also found, unsurprisingly, that when the – or maybe surprisingly. Yeah, for sure. uh, When the receiver did not uh, consciously notice it, it still resulted in improved moods for both, uh, especially the giver. Sure. But they were like, these people are in the honeymoon phase of their relationship. Exactly. If we did the same experiment 10 years down the road, would that second part still hold up? Right. And um, there's, a, there's a group, there's a, a pair of researchers. There are a couple, John and Julie Gottman. And they um, are uh, incredibly famous, incredibly well-researched and well-read and um, well-cited, like couples researchers. Like they're the real deal, legit. Yeah, like um, marriage therapists. Yes, exactly. They actually are the ones who teach the marriage therapists who go teach other marriage therapists. Like they're doing like really great firsthand research. And one of the things they found over the course of their career is that acts of kindness, even incredibly small acts of kindness, they can take the the form of a, huh, when your spouse is telling you about something you couldn't care less about and you're actually really busy. Just that counts as an act of kindness and that the couples who give one another more acts of kindness than not. I think they came up with some ratio of like four positive interactions to one negative interaction is like the key to success. Um, that those couples who, who did more kind things to one another had, you know, much more successful and lasting marriages. And that, again, those acts can be very, very small and they'll still have a big impact. Yeah, because what they're talking about, and this is something I've seen in my own marriage. At Like, Emily and I have been together for over 20 years now, mm. like, all in. And once you get into the multiple decade span, you find, um, and and you would be wise to, to learn how to do this more, but you find that uh, s- s- attention 
is one of the biggest <laughs> parts of being happily married. Sure. And that get, go you know, that jives with what you were talking about there with the study or the, you know, the Gottman stuff with like, you know, uh, I think when you've been with someone for a long time, you find yourself in your routines and like, oh, I'm reading this thing. And uh, but like Emily will come home with a, a story about something that just happened. Mm-hmm. And like the the spouse is wise who will stop what they're doing just for a moment and pay attention to them in a real way and do more than a huh. Like, oh, wow, that's really cool that that happened to you today. And chances are you can probably get back to what you're doing. The unwise <laughs> person does not uh, or they act put out that they have to stop what they're doing or that their attention is diverted. Mm-hmm. And that, my friend, is not a recipe for success. And I'm having to continually sort of uh, in a like train myself still because I think certain people have deficits uh, when it comes to stuff like that. And also just there's so much stuff now when, you know, uh, it was a lot easier before there were smartphones and yeah. the internet and like constant other things that are distracting you. But you are you are wise to sort of try and be aware of those distractions to pay attention to your family and your yeah. spouse. So the way that the Gottmans put it is that when your spouse or your friend or whoever is meaningful to you brings up something and saying something that that is asking for your attention, they're making a bid for attention, and you have a choice. Like you said, you can you can pay attention to them. That's what they call turning toward. Mm-hmm. You can. Um, snap at them for always bothering you when you're trying right. to read. Uh, <laughs> or you can ignore them, which is not as bad as snapping at them all the time. But mm. when those ignoring um, instances add up, uh, it can have a really harmful impact on the relationship. So I guess the upshot of this is that the Gottmans prove that a successful relationship is exhausting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And you never get to read the stuff you want to read on your phone. <laughs> Am I right, guys? <laughs> Yours bothering me. I guess we should talk a little bit uh, here toward the end about gratitude and guilt. Uh, because acts of kindness um, many times will spring from guilt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here's the thing with guilt. Like, being consumed by guilt is no good for anybody. But a little bit of guilt every now and then can can lead to uh, more generosity. Um, Ask and I, the Catholics. I, I, feel, <laughs> I feel like it's almost uh, more of a, it's not like, oh, I feel so guilty, so I have to do this. It's just like, boy, I feel a little guilty, so I'm just a little more aware and on point and um, trying to do the right thing. Yeah, especially if you have you know you've hurt someone's feelings and that's what you're totally. feeling guilty about, that's going to turn your kindness into hyperdrive. Yeah. But researchers have found that your your kindness is being laser focused on that person. You're marshalling all of your kindness resources and you're focusing on that poor person who probably doesn't even want to talk to you right now. But you're like, I got to be kind to you because I feel so guilty. And what they found is that actually that kind that level of kindness excludes other people. You're walking past other chances to be kind to other people who need acts of kindness because you're so focused on this person. So that guilty sense that can bring you to acts of kindness can very easily become overwrought and overblown and nobody wins. Right. And they've also found that uh, ignoring, like that could cause you to ignore, did you already say that? Ignore other people? Pretty much, yeah. You're, you're, yeah. Not, you're, you're not paying attention to other people's needs. Yeah, you're yeah. just focusing on the person who's mad at you because you feel guilty. 
the the gratitude piece I don't fully understand in this context um, because they they have found in experiments that gratitude does seem to uh, encourage generosity when even when it costs you something. Yeah, normally like people are in a good mood or if you're in a good mood, you um, will probably do like acts of kindness, holding a door for somebody. It doesn't cost yeah, yeah. you a thing. It's an act of kindness. People consider that a kind gesture. But if you feel gratitude because somebody else did something nice to you or you're just happy to be alive, you you feel that sense of gratitude, you're actually more likely to give somebody your only cupcake, like something that's costly. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. And then the other thing about it, though, is that it doesn't even have to be gratitude toward the person who gave you that cupcake, or you don't have to do something back to them. It, you can actually take that gratitude and give it to a third party, which is pretty cool, like, like that whole pay it forward thing. But what another study found, I think back in 2006, they found that um, that third, that paying it forward thing is unconscious. And that when they pointed it out, hey, you did a really nice thing for this other person, the third party, because the first party did something nice to you, the second party, if that makes sense in a super legal jargon way. Right. Um, and, and when they told them that, that sense of gratitude just kind of vanished. Like when it, when it became conscious, it went away. But unconsciously, they were more prone to help other people or commit acts of kindness for other people because they were feeling gratitude that somebody else did something nice for them. Have you ever seen, uh, we talked a little bit about I Think You Should Leave, the uh-huh. sketch show from Tim Robinson. Yeah. Did, did you ever watch any of it? Yeah, yeah, I've watched it all. Oh, okay. The, it always makes me think the pay it forward thing. Maybe, I don't know. They're all great. But one of his best, my favorite sketches ever of his is the drive through when uh, that whole notion <laughs> of, of buying, like paying for someone's uh, drive through behind you. And then he speeds around and then, order, you know, 55 burgers, 55 milkshakes, 100 pizzas, 55 coffees. Yeah. So funny. Yeah. Yeah. That is oh, good. boy. I love that guy. Uh, what else, Chuck? Uh, well, we can wrap it up with a little bit on compassion fatigue. Um, doing kindnesses are is great, uh, but they have found that if you are someone who works in an industry where you have to have a lot of compassion, if you're a hospice nurse, mm-hmm. if uh, if you are a single parent uh, and you have a child with uh, high needs, if you work at a at a shelter for unhoused people, and you're just constantly having to give of yourself every day, uh, that you know, you can exhaust yourself of that, and it can be very difficult uh, to work those hours of, of being nothing but empathetic all day long and doing kindnesses all day long, and that's compassion fatigue. Um, you can have mood swings, uh, you can be irritable, you can be anxious and depressed, and like bad things can happen. So that's like why you need to take care of yourself. Like self self care is so important when you have a situation like that. Yeah, you can also lose your general, like, basic drive for compassion. Like, you could start being like, I don't care about any of these people that I'm treating in the ER anymore because I'm so burned out. That's tough stuff. Yes. Fortunately, that's pretty limited to certain occupations or situations, like people taking care of a a loved one at home um, 24-7, basically. And, yeah, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of resources. If you are thinking that you might have compassion fatigue, you should— to start reading about it on the web, and there's a lot of really good solutions to that that can help. Yeah, take it easy on yourself because it's painful to admit sometimes that stuff is very hard and that you feel resentment. And, like, it's human. Like, let yourself up. Sure. Nice. nice. That's what I say. 
And there's one last thing about kindness that I thought was really great. Um, like, it can be hard to be mindful. It can be hard to cultivate gratitude. Like, those aren't just things that just snap into, into mind like when you want them to, right? The great thing about kindness is it's an action, so you can just do it. Like, you don't have to, like, it's not something you have to cultivate or work on or a mindset you have to be in. Yeah. You can just do it. And again, as we've shown, as study after study after study after study has shown, it's beneficial to you and the receiver, and it keeps society going, so said Darwin. So do it. Yeah, do a little experiment. If you are if you find you're having a, a very blue period, uh, try holding the, open that door, do a kindness or two, and see what that does for you. And just, just chart it and see what happens. Very nice. Well, since Chuck said chart it, everybody, that means it's time for listener mail. Uh, I'm going to call this uh, sportsy. I thought this was interesting. Okay. Uh, this was in regards to our uh, bad business moves or bad d- business decisions. Sure. And this was a good one. And I, as an NBA fan, I can't believe I didn't know this. And you're an NBA fan too. Yes. You'll appreciate this. Hey, guys. I uh, was late to the show, discovered you during the pandemic, and was happy to have your voices in my ears through those long days. On the worst-ish business deals, I thought I'd share one of my favorites. Uh, When the ABA merged with the NBA back in the 70s, uh, some teams became NBA franchises like uh, the Nets and Indiana and San Antonio and uh, Denver, the Nuggets. Mm -hmm. Uh, The rest were bought out by the NBA. Like, you know, hey, I'm sorry, Kentucky Colonels. Uh, We'll give you $3 million to stop being an ABA team. (laughs) You know you're uh, bad if somebody pays you $3 million to stop playing. <laughs> uh, the owners of the St. Louis Spirit, well, they just had to make them go away, you know. Yeah, no. uh, the owners of the St. Louis Spirit, the Silna Brothers, negotiated a smaller deal, $2.2 million, which included a share of television rights in perpetuity. Oh. Up through 2013, this earned the Silnas about $300 million wow. for not operating an NBA team wow. from the 70s. <laughs> Uh, in 2014, the NBA finally bought themselves out of that clause by an agreement of a lump sum $500 million payment. What? So the Silma's total uh, pocket was $800 million from the NBA uh, to not have an NBA team. Uh, may not be the worst business deal of all time. May have been the worst in pro sports. Worst, I guess, for the NBA. Sure. That's amazing. I had never heard that. So that is from uh, Steve Sonnen in Seattle. Sorry about the supersonics. Washington. Thanks, Steve. That was a great that was a great one. I had not heard anything about that, and it's kind of crazy nice to hear some it's amazing. Some people in Kentucky making eight hundred million dollars. Northern Kentucky probably too. Yeah. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us like Steve did, you can send us an email. Send it off to stuffpodcasts at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today.
Hey everyone, the Easter Bunny is coming early this year. That's right, Easter is Sunday, March 31st. And with free in-store pickups, CVS makes it easy to get everything you need for brilliant baskets and happier hunts. You can find delightful toys, Peeps-themed egg decorators, pre-filled Easter eggs packed with goodies, and so much more. So hop to it and get your order fast with free CVS pickup. Visit cvs.com Easter for details. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.